gentlemen, welcome back to the Pause Reviews Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Frank, joined by my trusty co-host, Tim. Yes. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. Thank welcome. you. I didn't say any blurb. I still, we got to figure that out. I got to yeah. figure out some kind of a tagline. I feel like yeah. that's what we're missing. I just always feel like I'm ripping off other podcasts when I do that. Like the one that comes to mind is this podcast where they investigate things of the of dubious or paranormal nature, right? Ooh. Like cults and things like that. And they always their tagline is great. It's uh, we show up so you don't have to. So like let oh, us I don't know what that means. But like like let us go visit the Scientology Center and find out all about it and tell you so you don't have to waste your time doing it or let us join this cult so we can tell you all about the inner workings of it so you don't have to. So the the general rule, right, is that within the first 30 seconds, your listener should know exactly what your show is about. So yeah. in our case, it's movie reviews, but it's a little yeah. bit more than that, right? We're right. curating this content to, mm-hmm. to try to help you decide what to watch tonight and, and make recommendations of whether something is worth it or not that kind of thing right yep so so we got to try to boil that down into some kind of a catchy quick thing that hits right from jump so that when people tune in they know what they're getting that one i mean i'm not here to critique i don't even have a tagline and we're not here to this is not a podcast where we critique other podcasts taglines but we show up so you don't have to that could be anything that feels like a that almost to me sounds like a plumber Right. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. I think there's a little bit more leading into that. Um, it's been a while since I've listened to it, but they've been around for quite some time. They've got a good following. So it's your toilet boiling over with human excrement. We show up <laughs> so you don't have to. I don't want to say it's like we investigate claims of the paranormal, something, something, something. OK, now. See, now we're dialing something in. Yeah, there's, there's a yeah. little bit more preceding that. But yeah, it's it's that that is the. That is the part, the meat of it that I remember for mm, sure. That's the that's the jangle. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I like it. <laughs> um, dude, I am so excited for this week's episode. Like, yeah, giddy, giddy. I have been wanting to talk about this movie for so long. We yeah, are I- going to discuss. Uh, the guest. The guest is available on Netflix now. It stars Dan Stevens. Uh, you've probably never seen it. If you have, then you know why I'm excited. <laughs> and if you don't know why I'm excited and you've seen it, then this probably isn't the podcast for you. <laughs> but do, how long have I been talking about watching this movie? Oh yeah, I'm, I, I have this written down here um, that you know that I went into this knowing full well that you loved this movie and oh, literally yeah. it's it's been on our shortlist for a long time yeah i'm like i'd say probably at least every two to three weeks when yeah. we're trying to decide what's gonna come next it's like oh i really want to do the guest like this is yeah. it always has been on the forefront, and it's gotten to the point where i mean last after last week's episode we weren't sure what we were going to talk about this week and right. and again i was like well we could do this and i mean i, I always want to talk about the guest and you're like dude you won't shut up about this movie. Let's just do that one. And I've been hesitant just because now that we took this new turn, you hadn't seen it yet. So I was yeah. I was hesitant to put it on a deep dive without you having seen it. Sure. You know, and taking that risk because this is supposed to be the episode where we're, you know, we're saying, "Hey, like this is something worth watching." Yeah, at the same time though, I think it makes more sense now than it did last season because mm. we've taken that turn again which is like hey this is available on streaming it doesn't have to be something new right last year we were trying to stay current and topical a little right. bit more and we're still doing that a little bit with the with, with the rewind stuff but um i i feel like it works a little bit more this you know with this season um but i also i'm excited to talk about this one because of that very fact because i knew you loved it and you had questions of why you loved it so I wanted to kind of see if I could also approach it that way of being like, where do I end up with this? And do I have questions? And and so we're going we're gonna to see. I think we have a, a kind of a, a cool little thing that we can do with this. Yeah, I mean, I think based on sort of brief conversations we've had, this episode may have a little flavor, a little twinge, a little tinge <laughs> of uh, can we convince Tim, I think. Because, like, yeah, I mean, I came into this one hard. And, yeah. and it was, you know, 
I was just, I was like, man, am I going to have to really like swing a skeptic here? Uh, so that's, I guess that'll kind of be our approach. You know, I'll kind of, yeah. we'll dive in and, and we'll sort of unpack things as we go, knowing full well, I am 100% about this movie. Yep. Um, so as I mentioned, the movie we're talking about is The Guest, starring Dan Stevens and Maka Monroe, available now on Netflix, so free to stream there. It's billed as an action thriller, and it was released on September 5th of 2014, rated R. Before we jump into some of the critic scores that we we try to touch on a little bit, mm-hmm. um, who is the production team behind this? And this one, I was uh, there's so much I want to kind of chat about here, but <laughs> it was directed by Adam Wingard, and Adam Wingard was known for, and this movie has always been billed as like from the producers, from the team that brought you, from the right uh, mm-hmm. of the team that brought you the movie You're Next. I had never seen that movie. Yeah, I have I have since watched it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but this was really hyped as sort of the follow up to this, you know, smashing success of your next. He had also directed the movie VHS, ABCs of Death, VHS Two, Blair Witch, the Netflix version of Death Note, and most recently he directed Godzilla vs Kong, which is right. dropping on HBO Max later this coming month. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh... I, I, every once in a while, those catch my eye. Um, I haven't seen the first uh, Godzilla movie, the, the the reboot. Oh, the King American. of Monsters one. Yeah, the yeah. with like the American cinematic universe that they're going with. Um, something about this seems interesting. I don't know if I'll watch it or not. I don't know. It's a big. I mean, the thing that's really interesting. It's a really big leap for him. You know, VHS yeah. was garbage, but VHS, ABCs of Death. You know. Even Blair, I mean, I guess Blair Witch was intended to be more of a mainstream, like, mm-hmm. wide release type reboot of the classic, but it just, it really didn't do well at all. You know, and then everything else is kind of to streaming or, you know, whatnot. Yeah. So, to make that leap to to Godzilla vs. Kong is, is substantial for him. He pairs up a lot with the writer of this movie, Simon Barrett, who also nice. wrote Your Next, VHS, ABCs of Death, VHS 2, and Blair Witch. And that's kind of where they've parted ways. But this team has obviously worked together quite a bit. They've worked together a lot in this horror genre, and in this indie horror genre. And there yeah. is a flavor of that in The Guest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now jumping back to sort of the, you know, how it was received, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, 91% is the critic score, but the audience score is only 69%. So a massive, massive drop off when it comes to just general audience. And again, and as much as we hate to say it, I mean, this is a movie, an example of something where I wholeheartedly agree with the critics. I think <laughs> right. I think a lot of the people who watch this one really missed something special the first time. And we kind of had a little bit of this in some, you know, in a previous episode where mm-hmm. uh, where we talked about the five year engagement. You know, this is one of those where, you know, I can understand in the first watch how it was a little bit too out there for most people. But if you give it a second watch, there's something really, really magical about this movie. So anyways, I think critics tend to catch that kind of stuff out the gate. They're looking for more of that. Whereas audiences, maybe they're going in expecting something closer to your next. This like straight up beat em up slasher. And they're exactly. getting something much more of a slow burn. I mean, we definitely did that with the Happy Death Day and Freaky, right? Like, we had a certain expectation built for Freaky. Yes. And, you know, critically, we're kind of like, eh, didn't live up to that. But audience-wise and people I've talked to anecdotally loved Freaky. So That's wild to me. Yeah, I really yeah. did not enjoy it. Right. So this was mirrored in the box office and and I I wasn't able to find out. I'm I'm relatively certain this was a limited release, but I haven't been able to confirm that for sure. But this movie was made on a budget of $5 million, but it was not, it was barely able to recoup even half of that. So the worldwide gross on this one was 2.7 million. So a massive critical success, a middling success with audiences, but a total, total flop in theaters. 
Um, yes. I mean, not being able to recoup even a $5 million investment is tough. And we're not even doing our little thing of doubling the budget because, you know, this wasn't one that I don't think got much marketing anyway. At least I don't remember it. Yeah, no. I mean, and you would think, too, if off of the success of your next, it would have at least brought people in to the theater. So I'm guessing that lends a little credence to the idea that it's it was maybe a little little bit more of a limited release because if that one is so critic or audience loved, I feel like that you know buys you a little bit of goodwill at least to break even. Yeah, your next is kind of the opposite. It did mm-hmm. okay, right? The critic score for your next is about seventy nine percent. We I just watched it today. It is an, I mean, it's not awful. The acting, the writing is sort of atrocious. But in terms yes. of like kills, this it's it's kind of in line with like the strangers, this home invasion type thing. Yeah. Um, you know, the kills are pretty excellent, whatever. But the the story itself has a ton of problems, and we're not here to talk about that one. But if you haven't seen it, that one is available on Hulu, and yep. and for so many reasons, I'd say it's worth a watch. But it isn't good, so we're not going to recommend it. But that movie was made on a budget of one million dollars, and you can see every cent. Yeah. <laughs> but it was made on a budget of one million, but it grossed worldwide twenty eight million in the box office. Dang. That is insane return on investment. So absolutely, after your next, they're going to greenlight anything. And in fact, your next launched. We talk so much about the team that brought you your next brings you the guest. But it also launched VHS, ABCs of Death, VHS 2. Those all came out after your next and were total, total flops. So that may have cooled the temperatures down Mm -hmm. leading up Mm -hmm. to the guest where sure. people maybe didn't go see it because they'd been burned so many times. If they were yeah. huge fans, you know, cult fans of of this uh, this slasher movie. Yeah, that that is absolutely fair. So let's get into the movie itself. Why? Because it's delicious. <laughs> uh, the synopsis from IMDb is a soldier introduces himself to the Peterson family, claiming to be a friend of their son who died in action. After the young man is welcomed into their home, a series of accidental deaths seem to be connected to his presence. Dun, dun, okay. Dun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Right. I mean, that. I mean, that's generally what happens. Yeah. Okay, so we've already touched on and let the cat out of the bag about why I've been eager to do this movie, which is that I am obsessed with it. So the question I have been dying to know the answer to, Tim, generally... What was your take on this movie? Okay, so I I think I'm going to hold back on disclosing my final verdict in favor of a little little exercise here. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I think this really gets at the spirit of what we're trying to do again, as we you know we've been kind of keeping with the, this this idea that I want to sort of approach this, you know, knowing full well that you loved it. Again, it's been on the short list. We've mentioned that. We've been talking about this for a long time. Um, but in talking with you about it previously, you you know you weren't a hundred percent sure why you loved it. Mm. And we've touched on some of the oddness again with the Rotten Tomato scores. Like critically, it's great. Audience, not so much. And we just talked about one last week where we were sort of in that same boat. Like we were with the critics and not with the audience. So I wanted to post to you the thoughts that I had coming into this fresh having not seen it again little trepidation with that because these are the episodes where we want to bring something to the table that we we are are endorsing so i wanted to just get your thoughts on the parts of this that i thought really made this movie weak at least initially right as i'm watching it going "Eh." okay and see kind of if you know, put the burden if, of proof on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you can convince me and then, you know, by convince the audience by way of me that this is actually worthy of a deep dive episode and, and, and our endorsement. Right. So our prized <laughs> endorsement. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, off the bat, Dan Stevens as David. Are we so wait? House. Are we? I just want to wrap my brain around it. Are we? Are we diving yeah. into the questioning here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I yeah. should get. Okay, so, I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So get ready. So you mentioned right that he shows up and the family just 
brings him right in, right? It's right, right. in the tagline, right, right. In, on the IMDb synopsis. They are way too accepting of this guy <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. Like, they, they're guest. He shows up at the door, and there's a little trepidation from the mom. But, like, the minute he's like, yeah, I served with your kid, they're like, hey, here's some beers. Here's his old bedroom. You'll want to wait until his sister wakes up from her nap so you can say hello. <laughs> and then, like, within minutes, you know, he's he's knocking him back with the dad that night watching TV. They're having a heart-to-heart. And then he's, like, picking the kid up from school the next day, like the younger son. Right. And, like, taking him to a bar. Like, just, like, they. he wastes no time making their home his. And all he has to do, all he has to do is say, like, oh, yeah, I knew your son. He wanted me to check in on you and tell you that he loved you. Their son never wrote home about him and their platoon. Like, oh, hey, I got these buddies in my platoon, right? Where we went through training together. We're, we're deployed together. Mm-hmm. This guy, David, he's my best friend. He's from wherever. No mention of him. There's a photo that he says is him on their mantle. Oh, okay, sure. He was his best friend, though. And he never mentioned it. Okay, right? okay. So... So then my reaction really ends up being, and I texted you this, <laughs> screw these people. They deserve everything that is inevitably going to happen to them because they just let this guest, this dude who is strange from the jump, just kind of move right in. And additionally, then, this caused me to struggle with who I was rooting for in this movie. Yeah. Because... I don't really care about these dumb people that just invited this guy into their house. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay, if I if I end up glossing over that last part, make yeah. sure you remind me because okay. because I think that is that is an interesting situation that this movie sets up in terms of who are you rooting for. Okay, okay. So so let me see if I can touch on some of these things. I did not struggle with this stuff at all, and I think the key thing to remember here is context clues, right? This movie unapologetically drops you directly into a snapshot in time, right? Yes. You get zero setup. There is no exposition. You learn what you learn through as essentially as the Petersons learn it. And that is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite ways of storytelling in film right like this is it's it's just it can be so it's it's something a lot of people hate right people like a very traditional setup to a inciting incident you know which leads to why the hero goes on their journey you know so like essentially the first 10 percent of traditional you know uh filmmaking a storytelling in film or screenwriting right the first 10 percent sets up the story and it all leads and culminates into an inciting incident that sets our hero on their journey. And then in the first act, they start and they're re- you know they experience issues and troubles. And then in the second act, they they you know as they plummet down and face conflicts, they start to work their way up. Right into the the yeah. end of the second act, they hit like some epic boss fight and then boom <laughs> right he plummets down to to nothingness the point of no return like complete and utter defeat and then has to we spend the third act watching them claw their way impossibly out of this chasm and and <laughs> right. and, and, and culminate in this epic victory right that's what people like i love it when someone just takes a snapshot of a, of a moment in time and says we're just going to experience this with these people and let's go on this journey together. It's a little bit unnerving. It's a little bit uncomfortable. But that yeah. is so fitting in this story. We aren't supposed to know who David is. We aren't supposed to fully understand it. And that launches this innate tension in us, the viewer, that will take us through this slow burn thriller, right? Mm-hmm. There are no jump scares. There are no you know, cheap thrills. This is meant to be a very psychological and emotional watch. And the the way they do that off the bat is, boom, who's this guy? I don't know, right? Why are they letting him in? So let's talk about that. Yeah. That part didn't bother me so much. We see, we come into this story, we see a wife sending her son off to school. We see a husband who leaves. There's a coldness there right and then through context clues we she the mother sits down in this chair 
and it's obvious that her son has died, right? Yes. And we see this through a lot of the kitschy cliche things. Yeah. There's a picture of her son, you know, in his uniform, and uh, there's a little, you know, a little plaque next to it, and it says, you know, something along the lines of all gave some, some gave all. all." Right. So, you know, and and we kind of get a a quick tour, snapshot tour of these little remember, you know, memorials of her son on this thing, and she's sitting there crying. Right. She hears the knock on the door, opens the door, and there stands Dan Stevens as David. And, you know, and he turns and he's like, hey, my name's David. You know, how you doing, ma'am? I was friends with your son. I served with him. Told him I'd check in, that kind of thing, right? She invites him in hesitantly. And, and, and you know, it comes out that he, you know, he ran from the bus station, which was a long <laughs> way. And, you know, so she offers him a drink of water. And then he says to her, I was very good friends with your son. I was there with him when he died. And he wanted me to give you this message, et cetera, et cetera. And this sets her off. She she has to immediately excuse herself. She goes away. She's crying. She's bawling. When she comes back, he points to a picture that they have on the mantle place and says, this is me. This is such a key moment, right? Because here's a picture of her son that she has in her home with his unit. And this guy, David, is in the picture. This gives yeah. uh, validation. This is, this is as good as an ID to her. Because what he suddenly becomes, they're, they're roughly the same age, roughly the same height. You know, they, they don't necessarily look alike. But here's this young guy who served in the, in the military, was discharged, he was injured, served with her son, and he can suddenly, very easily, become a surrogate for the son she lost and so she very quickly welcomes him in and and even offers for him to stay there overnight because he doesn't have a place to go and but not only that he doesn't offer she doesn't offer him the couch she offers him her son's room and her response and he even points out how awkward that is he goes ma'am are you sure you want me sleeping in here right the room looks exactly how their son left it and her response to that is, it's not getting used anyway. Of course, he would have liked, right? So she is immediately finding some kind of motherly, I don't know, bandage in David for the son that she lost. And yeah. this is repeated through the fact that, uh, you know, the kids seem to think it's super weird and odd. The husband comes home and is like, what the heck? We know nothing about this guy. Right, like the the dad is not very welcoming of him at first. This is all very much seen through the mother, who has clearly been the one who has been grieving the most, and everyone else in the house seems to reluctantly accept it because they recognize this is something she needs. Yeah, you know, and so yep. so all of that kind of comes together. I think as you watch these these moments play out. It comes together to sort of establish a framework where this really weird and out of the normal thing is is all explained by the depths of this woman's grief and how that grief can make us do things we wouldn't normally do. Yeah, and I think when you put it that way, so if you sort of think about like as parents, you raise your kid and if you trust your kid to make good friends, and this, their son went into the military, you can just sort of, I guess, assume that, like, this kid was in the military, he served, and if you feel like you raised your kid well enough, this is, you know, David is probably a good dude, right? And he's like, coming on a noble errand. Right, right. right. So in that context, I, 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 I think, you know, I could come around to that. It's like, yeah, you, you're feeling that void, you know, as you would with anything else, you know, people, you lose a pet and then you get another pet right away or you read, you know, you redirect that, that love to something else. Right. And, and so I, I can kind of, I can definitely see how they can just kind of like, all right, let mom get this out of her system and we'll kind of move on. And I think that the, the little brother ends up, you know, doing the same thing. You know, he's picked on at school and, you know, his dad doesn't seem to have the time to devote to him, you know, to, to help him deal with being bullied and things. And he doesn't have an older brother now. And his sister is also, you know, she's, um, you know, trying to work her way through, through, you know, 
uh, is she still in high school at this time? I forget. She is not. No, she's in her 20s. Right, right. Okay. So she's trying to work her, you know, get money for college and she's between college and high school. So, you know, he sort of does the same thing as the mom. Just kind of David gets sucked into that vacuum. So I think with that, I can end up being, I can be okay with that. But to not gloss over the next fact, the my next, you know, question you, does that help you root for the family when things kind of go sideways? So that's a really interesting part. And before I touch on that, I want to make one more statement too, because yeah. I think I think you brought it up in terms of you know how the kids, the 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 kids are a different situation. I, I think the mother obviously thought very highly of the son. The age yeah. gap between the eldest son, who's in the military, or who who has died, right, and the youngest son is significant. Right. If we take it that David and this guy are approximately the same age, at the youngest, David's in his, you know, mid to late twenties. Yeah. You know, maybe twenty somewhere in the range of twenty five to twenty eight, because Anna is in her early twenties. Right. And twenty one in a week or something like that. Twenty one in a month. Yep. Yeah. And she. You know, there's there are again context clues when she's talking to her boyfriend Zeke, when she's talking with her friends. You know, when when Zeke is like, "Oh, I'm so sorry, this guy's come and remind you of the brother." She's not so troubled by the death of her brother. Mm-hmm. And if you figure, like, we don't know how long he was serving. Did he join right. up right after high school? Has he been gone for seven, eight years? Right. You know, do they even really know? So if let's just say, I don't know, five years to be safe. She was fifteen. When he right. left, they don't have much of a relationship. And if you subtract easily three years for the younger son, he's maybe 17 going into senior year at most. Yeah. Right. So he was 12. Right. When his yeah. older brother left, which means when his brother was in the house, he was sub 10. You know, so like this, this is these are not children who had a strong connection with their older brother and have had to live in this shadow. And when he died, they have to live in the shadow of this great sacrifice and then deal with a mother who's been absolutely devastated by the loss of it. So this all rings a bit more for them as um I don't know, just more of a negative to have him come around. Now, it would make sense that the younger brother would have a stronger turn towards David because he represents the older brother he maybe always wanted and didn't have. And he develops a very strong connection to David. And David is so protective of him, the way that his brother wasn't there to be while he's getting bullied at school. Right. Make a situation, not make a, but Anna. Anna's situation is slightly different because she is sexually attracted to David. And so, you know, this is obviously weird, but what he represents to her is what she wants her boyfriend to be. Because, you know, again, what she mentions is that she's saving up money for school, but she feels like, you know, Zeke is just this, you know, kind of waste of space sometimes who just sells drugs or whatever and doesn't do much to further himself and is kind of an anchor on her, which is why David feels he needs to help her and relieve her of this burden. (laughs) All that being said, who do you root for? That's one of the brilliant things of this movie. David eventually becomes the villain, right? Yeah. And But at the same time, we have met him, we have severe questions, but everything he does is, right, like the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yeah, sure. He does awful things, but he does them in his mind for a noble reason. Uh, yeah. They're extreme and terrible. And obviously, <laughs> we are, we're not intended to necessarily... Uh, you know what it, what it is is that we're not really intended to necessarily root for him, but it's very difficult to root against him. I find myself even in the end where he's sort of having it out and this is obviously spoilers. We always kind of talk spoilers a bit. Yeah. And we're jumping around here assuming you've seen the movie. When we get to the end sequences where he is hunting down the children, I'm not necessarily rooting for them to win. Right. I I would be okay either way it would make sense as as a as a movie goer to watch you know david fall at the hands of the children but at the same time i like david i as the viewer fall for him the same way that the son does that anna does he is charming he charms you watching him to forgive 
the awful things he is doing. He's a very strange version of, you know, of the anti-hero, right? Of, Absolutely. Of, you know, like we've we've seen it a ton in in recent years whether it's like a son of sons of anarchy or breaking bad or something like this right you know these guys we're rooting for we really shouldn't be rooting for them because they're they're drug dealers and, sure. and outlaws right and he like those things you talk about when he beats up the high schoolers in a bar it's like yeah it was fairly noble but he was so violent and that and and the the kids like that cool he just saved my butt right or when he goes to the the high school with the mom and gets the kid out of expulsion by you know threatening the school with legal action and he's just, oh, that's the tamest thing yeah like right, that was right like how did he but not murder the principal right but there's still something just off-putting about like well who are you well i'm a friend right friend like of the just, family yeah yeah he's just so off-putting um but that's what plays out. People, yeah. I mean, even the principal is—he's immediately intimidated by him, and yeah. it isn't the threat; it is only by his presence, yeah. and and to the point where he's like, "Who are you? Like, why am I scared of this guy?" And yeah. it, it's just—it's so good. It is—it is a masterpiece of. We obviously don't want to root for the villain, right? But in the end, you're not rooting against him either. And yeah. and it is, it, I think that is something that's really fun. It makes you feel dirty. It makes you feel yeah. awful. But that fits with what this movie. It is a dirty, weird, just backwards movie, start to finish, in in all the great ways. Sure. So I, I think that brings me to my next question because we've kind of touched on it a little bit. So we might, there might be okay. a little bit of a redundancy in this, but we gloss over a ton of backstory, right? Mm. And, and I think the main portion where this got me was, you know, Anna makes her in her suspicion. She, she decides to call the army base. Like she's the only one who says, eh, let's just be safe. Let's, you know, let's do our due diligence and let's just be sure because it's a little off on this guy. Yeah. Speaking from personal experience where I, had family invite very distant Facebook discovered family into our home uh, for to stay for a little while. Uh, I was on the fence of like, hey, maybe we should just run a background check on this person, you know, and other people in my family were like, ah, they're family. They're and family. Like, mm, you know, so I get that. Just, you know, she doesn't find anything. She keeps it to herself and and great, but she gets a weird response from from the base, right? That turns the movie on its head, really, right at this right. point. So, you know, we, as you mentioned, are just dropped right in there. We don't know how long the sun has been dead. We touched on that, and that kind of leads into you know what we discussed with the mom and creating that vacuum where it just kind of gets David sucked into it. But the one that's really got me is you know we get to a point where the military has showed up at the Peterson home. They've had a shootout with David. Everyone is pretty much dead except David and the Colonel, uh, Colonel Carver or Captain Carver, who was sent with this <laughs> squad. Uh, I think major, major Carver, major, something like that. Carver's able, able to get Anna at the, at the diner before David gets there. And she's like, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, David's a super soldier. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like he there's allusion to this program and that he escaped from it, but she's just like, okay. And in a normal, more traditionally scripted movie, you would get some sort of flashback or some sort of well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. You know, are there more of them? Do we get some sort of more expose on that? But we don't get nothing. We get no further explanation of what the super soldier program is. I mean, that also made me question, is the Peterson son even dead? Because David is technically dead. So we... Well, I mean, David is. But we also know that this guy is not David. Okay. Do you want me to... Do you, what, you got more? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, the, the be all and end all of that is there's just no big exposition in places where you come to expect the exposition right agreed 
Fully agreed, not arguing that. My response to that will be, do you really want what you're asking for? Because, so, right? right? So my, okay, so here's my take on it. I love that we're dropped in. I love that we're not given a lot of backstory. I love that we're left to kind of put the pieces together as we can. And this is almost happening real time. And Mm -hmm. so we don't have the time to hear from Major Carver in the same way that, you know, Anna doesn't have that time, whatever. I will go further as to say that this movie is intended to be an action thriller mystery type thing, not a sci-fi action type movie. I think the, you know, the, the notion of this super soldier thing, I absolutely could have a whole nother episode and will entertain all conversations because I would agree with you. Do we really need that to be the case? I don't know. Maybe not. I'm glad it's there though. Right. Because so, so he does nothing. It's not like he's Captain America. It's more like a winter soldiery type thing where he, he's sort of been brainwashed. Right. He has triggers, mental triggers that will set him off to do. He doesn't have superhuman strength. He can't run super. I mean, we do see him run from the (laughs) depot to the house, but there's no indication that he does that very quickly. And, you know, military guys run for, you know, miles and miles on end in full gear. So, you know, this is I, for example, I went to high school with a kid whose dream was to be uh, in the Navy. He wanted to be a Navy SEAL. And every single day, every single day, after school, because I wouldn't see him arrive, he would go. He would put his uh, he would put his sho- his school shoes in his bag. He would put on a pair of shorts. He would put his backpack on and cinch it real tight. And he would run home. And he and I went to O'Connell. Like this is not a school like public school where you live within the bounds of the school. Yeah, I, he ran miles every day like full buzz cut like high and tight like to the nines right this was a kid who wasn't even in the military yet so i mean for all i know he's like some i don't know like mega general (laughs) i I don't know but the point is is that it's that's none of that he does nothing outside the realm of possibility for any human certainly one who's been trained right sure so this super soldier thing is more of like a mental conditioning um I, I think, though, that we need that because it even more so endears us to the villain. These are not choices he was born wanting to make. He's not some sick serial killer. He is a product of... So now, who's our real villain? It's right. not David, right? It's this idea, this construct of this... Uh, paramilitary group because that's the other thing right major carver is not in the military maybe he's retired when they go after david when they get indication that someone has asked about david and they're gonna go track him down to kill him he's like get me every mercenaries whatever right he is hiring a team of ex-military people of which he is one now easter egg if you watch your next they mm-hmm. make reference in the movie that the dad worked for KPG, which yep. is the company that uh, Major Carver works for. And then we find out in your next that KPG is a defense contractor. Mm-hmm. So so Major Carver, again, so anyways, a little backstory there. Yep. Um, but even in the, mo- in, in the movie, we see that this is a paramilitary group. So who's the real villain? It's mm-hmm. not David. It's the, the evil contractors who have brainwashed him and all these other soldiers to be these super weapons without feeling or emotion and it is backfiring on them and david is a victim as much as anybody else we also see scenes and moments where his his brainwashing kicks in right so so essentially carver comes to the peterson home to kill david and Uh, clearly anybody else in the house because they just blast the house to pieces with reckless abandon, right? And so uh, my thought at that point was they're going to need to move. They're going to need a new house. (laughs) They're dead. So David immediately it triggers, right? Now he is there with good intentions, albeit he's executing them poorly, but -hmm. he's there to genuinely help the Peterson family because it turns out he really did promise their son he would do that. Um. Is Caleb? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And so, uh, 
So now he's getting shot up. He knows now that the daughter has ratted him out, blown his cover. And what we find out from Major uh, Carver is that his training, his brainwashing, will immediately circumvent every other mission he has and make his only mission to tie up his loose ends, to protect mm-hmm. his identity and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So he starts, his new mission is to kill everyone who had met him or con- you know, come into contact with him in this town. Yes. And he's sitting in the kitchen with the mom who welcomed him in. And right before he kills her, he says, it, my mission, like I promised your son I would check in on you and help you any way that I could. And that became my mission to do that. And I mm-hmm. genuinely came here to do that. Your daughter messed it up and brought these guys here. And now your son would, he was in the same program as me. The mom says, what program is that? And he goes, it would take too long for me to explain it to you. But know that he would understand why I have to do this now. And then pumps a knife right into her chest. So that whole part tells us so much. A, the son is the same as him. B, probably why he hasn't written home in a while. See, he, uh, you know, this is he. They are all victims and products of this government thing, and and therefore we're now okay with even further rooting for him, even yeah. if it comes at the expense of this innocent family, because he too is quote unquote an innocent, right? On yep. and on and on it goes, and so, but to answer, but you know, I'll get lost in the weeds, but to answer the looming question of. Does it bother you that there's not more exposition? Not at all. Uh, you know, we saw this fail in John Wick. What made John yeah. Wick so glorious is that, okay, there's a currency that uh, goes along with these, you know, Russian mobsters. There's a, mm-hmm. there's an underworld. There's a way to get, right? We, we get introduced to these things and we're okay not knowing yeah. more about it. And we just sit back and watch the action. It's the same thing here. And, and the, the waters don't get muddied and the movie doesn't get bogged down with, with this need to explain every detail and really slow the pacing that you've been building towards this whole time, right? Like, let's yeah. ignore that, accept it for what it is, and just, you know, we just sort of take it as truth without needing more. When you start pulling on that thread, as we've seen in John Wick, it mm-hmm. just gets dirtier and dirtier, more and more confusing bigger and bigger and it will just continue to spiral out of control this is what john wick should have been just a beautiful one-off bubble that that just exists in its own ecosystem and is and is great and is all the better for it yeah i mean i think you're you're 100 right there because when at once you get that once i got that initial thought out there and you let it marinate a little bit you're like well where would I want that? Right. Where would I want a flashback where that's going to add time. This clocks in in an hour and 40 minutes and it's crisp and it's concise. And then, like you said, you start pulling at those threads by adding that in there. You're going to add runtime. You're going to drag it down. And really I'm, I'm glad that I went back and you know, your, your suggestion and watched your next to see where this writing team came from because Mm. they do add some weird exposition at points in that movie where you know there's characters that are doing certain things and acting certain ways and you're like why is this person doing that and then you get the sense halfway through the script that they're like oh we need to explain that so the the person goes on this random soliloquy about hey my dad was a crazy survivalist and we decided to move to the desert because of this and this and this and now i'm like you know trained to be a survivalist and you're like oh well it's a little late for that i don't need to know that now right right? and 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 it doesn't make sense to have this conversation now you've got bigger problems exactly right right. exactly right and pacing is the key element here Mm -hmm. this movie perfectly gives you this slow burn right we talked about how the movie starts and builds innate tension right and and that continues to build and carries you through the movie leading up to when the crap hits the fan, right? We, yeah. We've slowly pushed the sled up to the top of the hill and now we get to experience the fruits of our labor. We're going to mount up. 
Who cares what's on the bottom of the hill? Who gives yeah. a crap why we got how we even got here? Right? Like, you right. know, why are these two children up here on this mountain with this sled? Where's the adult supervision? I don't care, Tim. I want to sit on this sled with you and I want to ride down this mountain at epic speeds. And if I have to stop and start explaining the here's the whys and the what's, then you're just gonna lose that 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 thrill that carries you it. into the third act, right? Yeah. Yeah. So just it. just sit on the sled with me, buddy, and let's take the ride of our lives. Well, so as we're as we're kind of coming <laughs> to the bottom of that 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 hill, okay, I think okay, you you had a, a kind of a, a good transition in there earlier. You know, we're talking about you know his programming, right, and and his training, and this sort of um, you know prime directive of you know at all costs, I gotta take care of my you know me first, right. Despite whatever other mission I'm on, right, and so this movie doesn't really end; it just stops, right? Going right, back to right. that idea of we're being dropped into something, it just stops. Yep. Now, I love the final line. I think the final line is hilarious. Yeah. I think <laughs> it's it's great, but it doesn't make sense to that programming, right? It doesn't make sense to David's. His, his his mission there there has to be more to his story because as we've established to protect his identity now that it's been compromised the kids have to die they 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 have to die they know who he is they have him identified how do you know that doesn't happen well he sort of it just assumes that he oceans elevens himself out of there and that's it well okay okay Okay. Right. I take your point, counselor, and I counter with, I disagree. Okay. I think this is textbook open ended. So the movie you're ends. Little, you're going like Sopranos, right? So right. Like, right. Did he know, die? Cut, Did he die? Right. Right. So cut the black. Exactly. So this movie. Now, what's brilliant about this movie, and I, and I've said this a lot, right? You show us in the beginning what pays off in the end. There's a few things that happen throughout the movie, right? Yeah. Like he gives the kid the knife and that plays in and things like that. Um, but that's not necessarily the same thing. The, I think what this movie does really well is it gives you that in its in its edit, right? Mm. It is black, boom, first shot, boots on ground, running. We are in, right? Mm-hmm. End scene, shot of girl seeing David. What the? Boom. End scene. This is a snapshot. We don't yeah. get the beginning. We also don't get to see the end. We are left to make up our minds about what happens to these children and to David based on what we've seen so far. And all opinions are valid, right? Yeah. Has mm-hmm. has enough of David, you know, has has he seen the errors of his ways and said, I'm gonna fight this 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 thing. I didn't wanna kill these people. I didn't wanna kill this woman. I didn't wanna kill whatever. So I just wanna get out of here. I see the kids. I'm gonna Oceans Eleven, as you put it, my way out of here and find Okay, that's a valid thing. Is it in line with the character we've seen through the whole movie? No, but is there an argument to be made that there's a human underneath the mask of of this killer perhaps what i like to think is that no he yeah. oceans elevens his way out of the room of firefighters and as soon as he sees the kids will end them abruptly yeah but we just we aren't privy to any of that because this movie ends as it began in the middle of the story and, mm-hmm. and just like we didn't get to see the lead up, we don't get to see the finale finale. Anything yeah. could have happened. And and that alone could drive a ton of people crazy. And, and yeah. I agree with you that if you side on the way of he lets the kids go, there's an argument to be made that's out of character. I would argue maybe not. I also would argue even further, I don't necessarily think those kids make it. And her mm-hmm. reaction is not one of like, respect like we understand no her reaction is oh my god like it's not over it isn't over he's still yeah. alive he's coming for us what the f-? right like that yeah, is her thing. yeah and i would argue too that it, it's it can't be over right because when they get into this gym where the this this final fight happens uh, there's a teacher that's collateral damage, right? And Carver, Major Carver, gets his. Um, yep. 
it gets like his arms like slashed open. He ends up box cutter out. to the wrists. Yep. Yep. And uh, we assume David is dead. as you do, <laughs> right? But, well, you... and he catches a butterfly knife to the chest. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. After you know, he's I think he's well, maybe like the solar plex. I don't know. Yeah. It's sort of right he... below. Did he take a bullet too? One or two? I think he took. Yeah, he's got a bullet in the leg and a bullet in the gut. And did did Anna shoot him once? Uh, no, she. No, he caught the bullets did, at the massacre yeah. at the house. Yeah. What did she do? She she bashed him over the head a couple times or something. She you know she took a couple swings at him. So there's. Oh wait, be... no, she does shoot him. Right, I thought so. I think. I forget. <laughs> she has a gun and she shoots yeah. it. Yeah. It, all this to say, there should be three bodies in the gym once it has burned down, right? But there the should be Carver, there should be Teacher, and there should be David. Right. Right. But the firefighters say, there's two bodies inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see him come out and she gives her, you know, what the moment. And it can't be over. Because she's going to tell somebody, no, 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 there should be three bodies. Like, hey, you need to figure this out. So, yeah, one of your opinion, firefighters is dead now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you better, you know, check some lockers for him because you got a naked <laughs> firefighter stuffed up in there somewhere. Right. So it can't be over, right? Because she's going to tell them and they're going to swarm, right? So either David's now going to have to kill everybody, right? All the firefighters or whatever, or he's got to beat his retreat and stalk them later. So it can't be over. Yes. It, just, it can't be. <laughs> I will also argue, Tim, you're asking way too many questions about how we got to the top of the hill. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 We just take yeah. this ride, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, before before we get into the, the grand finale here, because we're coming yeah. up on time, but yeah. I, I really need to point out, if you've stuck with us so far, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. A- and Dan Stevens in this movie yeah. is... Freaking sensational. So this, Dan Stevens did a lot of work before Downton Abbey, but Downton Abbey, none of us had ever heard of him until Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey is what brought him to the U.S. in any capacity, and uh, and this is his first at-bat. This was the first released at-bat for him post-Downton Abbey. So he leaves Downton Abbey in about 2013, um, when his contract originally ends and it's because he wants to go into movies. They had extended Downton Abbey for two more years. He had the opportunity to sign on. He says no. Spoiler alert within a spoiler alert. Matthew Crawley is no more. So this was his first attempt at saying, hey guys, this is what I want to do. I want to be a badass Hollywood leading man. Mm-hmm. And this was the project he chose. And this dude is on another level. The scenes yeah. where he... Uh, this, these will be my closing arguments for you. The scenes where he goes from the demon robot that lives in his brain, right? He goes into rooms. He's perfectly sociable when yeah. he's talking to the mom. Ma'am, well, if you insist that I stay, blah, 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 blah. Absolutely. Okay, no problem. Keep in mind, by the way, to speak to the first point, he never asks for any of it. He only accepts upon their insistences. So, yeah. you know, he, again, he he is happy to come, check in, make sure they're good, make sure they know he loves them, and be on his way. That's another thing. So, you know, he has all these interactions that are normal. When the mom shows him, so, okay, well, I'll leave you to get ready, closes the door, he just sits and stares at the wall. In the scenes where he goes to the party and then comes back and make him a rose in her room, and she's like, ooh, woo, this is great, what a good time. And then cuts to him just standing and staring demonically out the window. Like, and then there's even, when he's talking to the kid, He's talking to Luke and Luke is telling him about how his sister has found him out and is planning to rat him out. And I want you to know because we're friends and every every bit that Luke is guessing right, you see him like I'm going to slaughter you. And then when Luke's like, but we're friends, right? And the charm comes right back. and He's like, of course we are. Luke." Oh, yeah. You you don't see it any better than when uh, Luke and David are at the bar right yes and they're sitting there kind of doing that brother thing like you know i'm gonna take you into the bar like we're gonna hang out i'm gonna have a, i'm gonna order a drink here you can try my drink and uh let's order some joke drinks for that group over there and then he just demolishes a bunch of high schoolers like in an instant flips the switch drink to the face 
and those kids are broken. <laughs> it's fantastic. So, I mean, honestly, hands down, enough cannot be said about the sheer talent that Dan Stevens displays on screen. Say what you want about him. Say what you want about him in other movies, subsequent movies, right? Walk Among the Tombstones. Eh. I mean, he was fine. You know, he's done a lot. I'm a big Dan Stevens fan, and it started here. This movie showed me this dude is for real. Do not sleep on this man. He is fantastic in this movie. Um, yes. Additionally, I mean, we've talked in context about how great this is written, how unique it's done. The soundtrack mm -hmm. is stellar. It yeah. really just sets the tone and the mood. It's this weird underground poppy type thing that is, it's just different than most things that you've seen, even the things that are exactly like this, right? Yeah. This does not live on an island, but it stands as like, king of those that do live on that island it is yeah. so well done and you even get you know there's there's flashes of you know uh, 80s slasher in this you yes know, you're, you're, you're set in the backdrop of halloween which you kind of even forget about and you know the this, music is very synthesizer-y and and yeah weird and trippy yeah and you get this final final uh showdown at a high school gym that's been you know set up for a halloween dance it's part haunted house and you know the people in costumes and things like that and even you know david ends up kind of operating by the 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 jason Voorhees school of like he's not really down when he's down sort of thing like that's the yeah. whole what the moment like he took that knife to the chest and turn his your back on him and he's up and moving again even you know even prior to that he disappears you know uh anna thinks she's got him and the the fog machine blows away and there's no body where it should be right back <laughs> and and this is i mean and i will and you touched on it this movie is not perfect it is not without its faults and and it does especially in the end it really does ask you to forgive quite a bit right like why has this dude survived a bullet to the leg a bullet to the gut and a knife to the chest like you know th there's a lot of that um that could also very easily lead to questions of okay how far does this super you know soldier thing go you know is he you know and and there were drafts of this script where he was like part cyborg or all these other things so some of this stuff may be carryovers from that and they just said eh, no one will ask Sure. There are things you have to forgive here. My argument is, right, watch this movie one time without hearing this. I can totally understand why it might be too far out there, too trippy, too uncomfortable, too non-traditional, whatever you want to say, that it would be difficult to get on board, right? Yeah. I would argue that if you th if you think about these things just slightly differently and appreciate some of these elements in a slightly different way, this movie is up there with some of the most fun things that you will watch ever in your life. It's not the best thing you're ever going to watch. It's not the greatest movie ever made. It's not the most incredible action movie. It's none of those things. But it never disappoints when I watch it. It is so much fun. It's in the vein of what it follows is to horror movies, you know, mm -hmm. you know things like that. That is what this is. It's just it's just different enough. It's just weird enough. And and you watch it and you you start to like it. And the more you think about it, the more you appreciate it. And maybe you don't totally know why. I think I think for me, I loved it when I saw it and I didn't really understand why. The more I've watched it and the more I've thought about it, I've started to, as I have done tonight, figure out why I actually like it and, and then make that case to people. So, Tim... I yes. rest my case. The defense yeah. rests. Yes. What have we done? Now you are the jury, my friend. Right. Have we convinced you that this movie is not only worth a watch, but it is excellent for many a reasons and that it is worthy of a deep dive that says, if you're looking for something to watch, put on the guest. Stop sleeping on it. Put it on and see what you think. Yeah. So after all of that, I will say I ended this movie exactly the way that you did. Very much like, I like this, but why? <laughs> There's just parts of this that just feel like I shouldn't. But I'm glad we did it this way. Because for everything that you said, 
if you do, if you appreciate it in that way with those thoughts and for the type of movie that this is, you know, being dropped into the story and having to figure things out real time, it's fun. It, it's, it is. A, it's just a lot going on. And you're not supposed to know who you're rooting for, right? Now I've changed my mind after, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I wanted the military to get him, get him, get him, catch him before he kills the kids. But you're like, ah, but they created him. And there's potential. There, we know there's more of him, right? He is but Frankenstein's monster. Right. You know, and, and the Petersons are the little girl by the lake. It's collateral exactly. damage, but it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Frankenstein, who is the real villain of Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. So if you can approach it that way, then this is a fun romp. It, you know, we could even say this is an alternative Halloween movie. So you want to say oh, this for so sure. next Halloween? You want to watch this then? Do it. Because it, it hits that thriller, sort of slasher. You know, I, I kind of also went into this different and i think that kind of colored my thought of like well whatever happens to these people they deserve it because i kind of just thought he was going to be a psychopath who's just going to murder all of them in their sleep right or mm. hold hold them in their house and torture them and no that's not what this is so, right so that changes my initial perception like yeah he's creepy but he doesn't kill them because he wants to you know he says he doesn't he has to right and that just feeds into all that stuff after however the movie ends in your head right does he like you said have that semblance of a man left is there anything in there where he can let these kids go right he clearly ended up forming a connection with with luke and you know there's a little sexual tension with with anna could he let these kids go and did you just say a little (laughs) clearly wants it yeah. From her angle, not so much from him. No, I'm yeah. sure that's been programmed out of him, right? Although he did. Well, but he even of, kind of struggled with it. She was yeah, like, are you even like, into this? And he's like, yeah. okay, let me turn on my penis. <laughs> right. She's like, and then he flips her over and she's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> let me turn on my penis. <laughs> So, you know, it, that open interp- interpretation ending, it, you can go any sort of way with it, I, I, I think. And, and, you know, watch it again and then write another ending to it. You know, maybe on a yes. certain different day, you feel differently about how it ended. You know, maybe you discover something more about Tony Soprano and decide, no, he deserves to die. So in my head, through this watch, he dies, you know, so it, it, it's so it. true. The ending could change based on your mood. Yeah. Am I yeah. feeling am I feeling David? Am I not? It, it's it's so much. It's a fun, it's a fun watch. And it I think it sparks some really interesting conversation. And it, it's one of those movies too. You wish there was more, you wish there was a sequel, but then you're also really glad there isn't. If this movie had done any better, we would have gotten one. If we have a VHS two, how do we not have a the guest to? But I think yeah. I think Dan Stevens has a little more respect. So it's like you know when I make three hot dogs and I'm after two I'm really happy and then I try and eat the third and I'm like uh, should have just stuck with the two right like God man in some ways we're such different people <laughs> and I love hot dogs and I will find a way to fit that third one in there but you know <laughs> it's. It, it is. It, it, and I think I said to you uh, earlier when we were talking, you know, it's like a good album, right? Mm. That it, it goes by so quick and it leaves you wanting more. And so you start it over again, right? Yes. Like, you know, yes. you'll go back to it and, and let me let me watch it again. And then it's over again. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely worth a watch. If you really want to see where this comes in comparison to your next, you can watch your next. It, it is, it probably does everything wrong that they then subsequently get right with this movie. You know, I mean, Mm. you can clearly see in this one where they learned their craft and honed that skill and got this tight. Right. Mm. And there's nothing there's no loose ends in this movie, right? You can't like David. There can be no loose ends. Yes. No, I I dig that. Tim, if you had to give it a score, what would you give it? I'm going to go seven, I Ooh, think. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. I, I think, you know, because originality, I mean, it's different, right? And it's fun. And in that sea of what do you want to watch, 
it's not something you're going to forget, right? And you're not going to be mad you saw it. Exactly, right? There are plenty of things where you could waste your evening. And in an hour and 40 minutes, you're going to have time to watch something else, too. So you're not going to kill a night uh, or even just be, you know, physically or mentally drained by this. It's quick. It's fun. It's over. Watch it again. <laughs> yeah. No, I think you're spot on. This one for me is an eight and a half out of ten. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and I think that's built. I probably started about where you are, and I'm ending sure. on like an eight and a half after yeah. so many watches. Uh, I own this movie. I watch it many, many times a year. It be, and it, for exact that exact reason, this isn't one that you would catch on TV. I would say this is one like when it's on, you're gonna watch it. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, it's sure. it's never on TV. I own it. If I'm ever like, man, I, I want to watch something, and I don't, boom, the guest because it's an easy watch, it's an easy lift, and then I can move on with my life. Uh, and that is if I don't watch it twice. So <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, it's so good. Um, I am highly recommend it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Tim, I am thrilled that you yeah. watched it and you dug it. This yep. this is going to go down as one of my favorite episodes. This I is like a hard it. one to top because I like it. I, I, it's just I hope I find another one in the course of what we're doing here that makes me feel the way that David makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. Next week is a rewind episode. No prep needed. Just come and check it out. We're going to talk about some things that have come out recently, things that we've been watching. And we already have two listener requests that we're going to be talking about. And we yeah. would love to have more. Send us your requests, guys. You guys can hit us up at the website, pausedreviews.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, at pausedreviews. Uh, you can email us, pausedreviews at gmail.com. Listen to us, obviously. Like, subscribe, rate, all that good stuff through the Podbean app or wherever you get your podcasts and links to all of this stuff are at the site hosted by Podbean. So just go there first, www.pausereviews.com. I gave it to you a second ago. Go there and then click on whatever link works best for you. Like, subscribe, share. Uh, we really appreciate it. It super, super helps. And obviously, if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Yep. That's the best. That's the best way. Word of mouth, guys. Let's yep. grow this together. Um, tell them, and then they can tell us what to watch. And then that just works out for everybody. Oh, right? And then this podcast will just become us watching whatever you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, I think that's it. Let's wrap this up. As always, yeah. I'm your boyfriend. This is Tim. And we'll catch you guys next week. Until then, enjoy the guest. Yeah. <laughs>